Hello and welcome to the Lancet podcast. Richard Lane with you on Friday, July the 29th. This week we're focusing on a study concerning the use of antidepressants among patients with dementia. This study was published online on Tuesday, July the 19th, and it is in this week's print issue. So I'm delighted to be joined by one of the authors of that study, Professor Shubi Banerjee from the Institute of Psychiatry in London. Professor Banerjee, before we go into the details of the study and what you found out, for context, can you just tell us how research has informed the way that we deal with patients with dementia, specifically in the area of the prescription of antidepressants? There's no doubt about the importance in public health terms of dementia as a whole. Um, There are something like 36 million cases worldwide, and it costs something like $600 billion per year, which would make it the 18th largest country in the world. So dementia as a whole is important. But one of the things that is really difficult for people with dementia themselves and from their carers are behavior and psychological problems in dementia. That can cause immense amount of carer burden, and it also predicts uh, a lot of extra cost for things like institutionalization. But it really is a source of a lot of of decreased quality of life, both for people with dementia and and for their carers. And so focus has turned to trying to treat those behavioral problems in dementia and psychological problems. And really the most common is probably depression in dementia. About 20% of people with dementia at any time appear to have what might be a clinically significant depression. And the problem that we've had up to now is that the information from randomized controlled trials has really been very equivocal. We haven't known really whether these drugs are helpful or not. There's been some studies which have been positive, some that have been negative, and many that are simply equivocal. Thank you very much. And so do please go on and tell us what the specific aims were of the current study. Well, this subject, the treatment of depression and dementia with antidepressants, was prioritized by the National Institute for Health Research, their health technology assessment program, as, a, as an area where they wanted to commission work. And we put together a team to put together a trial that would answer definitively the question about whether antidepressants were useful or not for the treatment of depression and dementia. And so we set up a trial that took examples of two of the most commonly used classes of antidepressants, and we chose sertraline, which is an SSRI, and metazapine, which is a a more multiply acting antidepressant. And we chose those and we compared them in a trial against placebo. All of this happening, of course, within um, treatment as usual. And we followed people up at three months and then in order to find out whether the treatment had worked and at nine months whether any effect persisted. So the study that we generated is the largest study of treatment of depression and dementia that's ever been carried out and I think another important design point is that we really did design it as a proper pragmatic trial as a study of the effectiveness, the clinical effectiveness of these drugs and so the population that we recruited into the study were as like the sorts of populations that you'd experience in normal clinical practice as possible. So we sought to minimize exclusions and maximize the generalizability of the data that we generate from the randomized control trial. Thanks. So do tell us about the results. Right. Well, the study was carried out in nine centers across the United Kingdom. Uh, We involved something like 100 different referring clinicians. So this is really, we think that it is representative of the way that people would be treated, uh, certainly within the United Kingdom at least. 
what we found was that both at 13 weeks and at 39 weeks, what we found was that the antidepressants uh, showed no benefit over the group of people that had received placebo, but there were more adverse events in the group that had received antidepressants. And how was depression assessed? Was that by self-assessment surveys by the people with dementia, or was it by psychiatrists using various dementia, um, depression scales? Um, it was a little bit of both, in a way, because the, treatment, the, 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 the instrument that we used as our main outcome was the Cornell Scale for Depression and Dementia. And this is an instrument which basically takes views from both the interviewer, the carer, and the person with dementia and synthesizes them into a, de into a score for depression. This is a measure that is deliberately designed to work in dementia and has been specifically validated and been found to be reliable in dementia. It's the best available measure of depression in dementia, and that's why we chose it. And we included in the study with people with a score of, of over seven on the Cornell, and what we looked for was decrease over time in Cornell scores uh, between the, th the three groups that we had, the placebo, the sertraline, and the metazapine. And we looked for uh, those changes while, of course, controlling for center and for baseline scores. So we were, it's a fairly robust design that we, um, that we, that we had here. Uh, but there were two interesting things that we found. The first was that overall, there was real change in depressive symptoms. A lot of the people that were in our trial, the majority of them actually had benefit over the period of trial in terms of their depressive symptoms going down at 13 weeks and then staying down. It's just that none of that decrease was attributable to either the sertraline or the metazapine. The placebo group had exactly the same course. And that was a, a, that was a, a, a finding that was kind of surprising to us but one that's interesting because these people had had these depressive symptoms for at least six months before. 68% of them had had them for more than six months. Um, and, there's a, and in the literature, it suggests that these systems, symptoms don't necessarily go away spontaneously. So I think that what we may be seeing is something of the power of the treatment as usual that these people, that all of the people received in all three groups. And that essentially involves all of the psychological help that community mental health teams can give to people. So, for example, that's solving problems and giving people information about dementia and helping carers to build their caring role and cope. And all of those things together may actually have a powerful antidepressant effect. Uh, and compared to that power of those social, educational and psychological treatments, the antidepressants added nothing to that. So a strong placebo effect, effectively. It's not a placebo effect, though. If it was simply a placebo effect, then uh, that would be due to the kind of study design. And given the, the, the size of the difference, and given the actual small element, uh, that our research workers really had very minimal contact with these individuals compared to the teams that they were in. Now, I think what this shows is, I mean, I think one often forgets if you're, carrying out a trial like this, that it's all conducted within a, a team, uh, with, a, with a team of people doing things. And the reality of the, of, 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 of the mental health or the psych specialist psychiatric treatment of someone with depression and dementia is that most of the value and most of the good uh, seems to come not from the drugs that we give people, which can often cause problems, but actually from those psychological and social effects. And those psychological and social effects aren't placebo effects. 
because they're not due to the fact that we encapsulated our drugs and gave the group of people who had placebo um, the, the drugs that were inactive. It's not due to that. It's due to the fact that there is actually um, a lot of treatment that goes on within teams. Uh, but of course, that exists in all three of the groups, so you can't capture it. Uh, one of the things that we need to do now, and armed with the information that these drugs may not be effective, the antidepressants are not effective, we can now start to do work to actually try and delineate what it is in the, uh, potentially in what we do routinely that is of particular value to people with de depression and dementia. So, so no, I don't think it's a placebo effect. I think it's a treatment-as-usual effect, which is slightly different. Indeed. That's a really interesting. Thank you for, for the discussion on that. So finally, Professor Banerjee, You've touched on it there. What next? I mean, in a way, this is good news, isn't it? Unless you're the manufacturers of uh, antidepressants, then actually this is good in the sense that we're effectively the clinical message is, you know, you don't need to be giving additional medical drug treatment to people with dementia. I agree that this is good news. It's good news for people with depression and dementia because it shows that the vast majority of them can recover and can recover without drugs. For me, there are two main take-home messages for this. The first is that um, our findings support the fact that people with complex problems in dementia, and that includes people, I think, with depression in dementia and other major behavioral problems in dementia, they will probably benefit from referral to specialist services because all this psychological and social and educational stuff that we believe is of help really cannot be easily given in primary care and it is and so secondary care is your is essentially your 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 entree to uh, a good quality diagnosis a good quality diagnosis of the comorbidities and a management plan to address those comorbidities so i think it, it, it gives support for uh, the power and the value of, of, of referral. I think that if these cases were simply to have remained in primary care, I don't think the outcomes would have been as good. The second thing is that, anti that we should not use antidepressants uh, uh, reflexively as a first-line treatment for depression and dementia. Now, there are some important uh, groups that we didn't study. We didn't study people with really severe um, uh, life-threatening depression, those with high levels of suicidality, for example, those were excluded from our trial. We didn't, uh, we, we obviously, um, our, 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 our findings are mainly to the drug classes that we've, we've, we've investigated as well. But I think we can say that, um, that the treatment of depression and dementia should not be reflexively reaching for antidepressants as a first-line treatment, it should be using antidepressants as a second-line treatment, perhaps after, after 12 weeks or so, if, though, if the depression has not, has not lifted by the other things that you may do, which are psychological and social and educational and supportive. Excellent. Well, it, it's a fascinating issue, fascinating area, an important study and some interesting findings. So, Professor Shubi Banerjee on the line from the Institute of Psychiatry in London. Many thanks indeed for talking to The Lancet. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it. And do look out for the comment alongside this research article by Henry Bradati in Sydney, New South Wales, Australia. Well, that's all for this week. Many thanks for listening. See you next time.